was that? That was Shorty. She was Shorty, Shorty. She's real upset right now. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? What? Don't ever have headphones on and think that you can just let out a slow little fart. <laughs> Especially not at work. Because <laughs> sometimes it's not silent. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody just told me their experience. <laughs> I'm Alma. I am Yvette. And we are Tipsy, Tipsy Tales. Tales. Oh, so how was your week so far? Uh, well, since we had a quick turnaround, we did our little thing where we... Uh, Thursday. Oh, yeah. We recorded Thursday. And so now here it's Monday. <laughs> You're like, hi, how you doing? Hello. Whatever. I saw you like three times in seven days. So I'm pretty psyched. Yeah. Ja. Yeah. I actually finished Hill Haunted Hill House. <gasps> you did? I was ready to tell did you. Did you like it? I actually really did. Um, so I was hungover yesterday and um, we were laying in bed and I'm like, oh, I got to finish watching this. And I really enjoyed it. I felt like I the haunting <laughs> was secondary to the actual the story. story. I mean, it's a story of grief, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? All the way around. Like they were grieving their mom, all of them. That mom. Oh, never mind. But I'm she, not going to say yeah, nothing. Yeah. Don't, don't no give spoilers. the story because there's a lot of people still watching it out okay. there. <laughs> but it's really good. It really is. I really enjoyed it. I didn't really do much this weekend, but you did. I um, went out. Um, it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago. So we were celebrating it with one of my good friends um, this past weekend. By the way, happy belated birthday. Woohoo! Yvette, like, I totally wanted to have a little cupcake ready for you last Thursday when we were, but I, like, rushed all the way from work, so. No worries. We had whiskey and vine. Yeah, we did. So, it's just the same. I enjoy them just as much. So, um, yeah, so we went out, had a great time. Um, I'm usually pretty reserved, um, although it doesn't seem like I am. Um, Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> unless you know her unless she knows you yeah she's not unless reserved. i'm in my comfort zone i'm not but we were actually at a really kind of bougie place out in chandler and so the place was kind of dead it was you know it was a nice little place um but they had a dj i had to do supersonic out loud and dance so that happened Got okay some... one of these days and maybe like for our patreon viewers we're gonna have her do a whole supersonic <laughs> Like, she can, from start to finish, do the supersonic. Supersonic, or that, or Paul Revere. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yep. So, I think I can rap, but I really can't. It's awful. It's got awful, but totally worth it. <laughs> you want to laugh? That's totally worth it. So, yeah, we did that, and uh, we actually met... Um, we met a few new people and they were asking, wow, I thought you said she was kind of reserved and our friends were like, yeah, she usually is. This is not a side you see of her often. This is whiskey Yvette. This is Scotch Yvette. Oh, Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Out of Scottish for the night, kind of-ish. By the way, speaking mm-hmm. of Scottish, uh-huh. yes, Outlander premiere is going to start on Sunday and I didn't think about the fact that we usually do something for that I, know. So. I was thinking about that because when you mentioned it to me i was like 
and you're like and we're coming over <laughs> and having scotch <laughs> and kakaliki soup and, and meat, pies. meat pies i don't even care if you make anything else so meat pies are bomb <laughs> as if let's do it yeah yeah all right cool what time does it start i don't know it's probably like seven or six or something like that all right cool we can always record so if we start eating early we can oh that's right yeah like we did last year yeah definitely i'm excited i'm excited that alma's gonna be cooking (laughs) she cooks really good i'm not gonna lie so you cook really well yourself i put stuff together no whatever (laughs) like she makes the best spaghetti of life and spaghetti is like one of my favorite foods in the whole wide world and she does it so well i like my spaghetti though yeah (laughs) i like your spaghetti too (laughs) anyways there was something else i was gonna say i keep smacking my lips wine we're drinking wine (laughs) (laughs) those are my favorite things to edit (laughs) you're like what the hell is she a cow (laughs) i do it just as much so we are drinking um a nice red blend oh yeah oh yeah what are we drinking today we are drinking a wine called the witching hour and since halloween is on wednesday this week and also dia de los muertos is on friday and it also happens to be mario's birthday i saw that i was super excited i was like oh it's his birthday so this is totally appropriate okay even though like by the time this comes out it's gonna be next tuesday so it's fine it's fine fine it's fine 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 uh tis now the witching time of night vintage 2014 Mm. yeah three years old wine yep (laughs) uh it's a cabernet sauvignon cabernet franc malbec merlot petite bordeaux the region's california and it's 13.5 percent which is about average yeah. yeah The winemaker notes are, California, behold the witching hour, an intense, full-bodied red blend filled with flavors of dark fruit and espresso. Mm. Do you taste espresso in it? Espresso. That's what I'm tasting. Yeah? I act like I know. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It just tastes like wine to me. (laughs) I'm just playing. It's really good. It's full-bodied. It's really dark. It's like almost ink. It's super, super dark. Yeah. A potent and lusty wine that will be sure to consume your senses. We're consuming. Um, and it goes, yeah. <laughs> we are consuming. We're always consuming. <laughs> um, it goes good with the New York strip or a rich pasta dish. Oh, my God. Wouldn't this is making me so hungry right? right now. I'm just saying. What's the 85 points? Oh, so anyways, they have like the silver, gold in regards to points and rating. And so in one of the websites, which I cannot remember right now, they did um, rate it an 85 points. So it's like a silver Silver award. medal? Yeah. I We highly recommend it. It's very good. It's very, 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 very good. good. Very good. Good choice, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> it's better that than slurping. <laughs> exactly. So what do you got for us today? All right. So um, my story is, since next week, um, Dia de los Muertos would have passed already, um, I did redo a little bit of research on that, So, which is interesting because it's actually Dia de Muertos, and I was surprised to find out that it didn't, that Mexico actually didn't even have a celebration. Northern Mexico did not even have a celebration in regards to it up until like a few years ago. Really? Right. James Bond did a movie and he was running through the Mexican plaza. 
And with, with that, he ran through a Dia de Muertos parade of sorts. And Mexico never had it. So they saw that and they... Mexico or Northern Mexico? Northern Mexico. Okay. They've never had any sort of celebration in regards to that. Then they embraced it. And the next year after that, I think was like 2016, was the first time they had their Dia de Muertos celebration. Really? They call it Dia de Muertos in Mexico, but here in America, we call it Dia de los Muertos. Interesting. I was reading something that it's like completely different than um, All Hallows Eve, Mm -hmm. although like the dates are pretty similar, but they get a lot of theirs from the Aztecs. Right. Uh, Hey, Shorty, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) They also mentioned that it was initially celebrated um, in the fall to kind of go along with agricultural um, cycles. And so when was it? Columbus came was it no the Spaniards came over they actually tried they incorporated the two so what they did is they actually moved their date that they were celebrating this um, along with their um, All Saints Day I believe right and that's the reason so they kind of celebrated it together although a lot of the Christian based religions don't what's the word I'm looking for they don't really follow it because they feel like it's more of a pagan holiday right Rather than well, actually. And in all reality, All Hallows Eve was kind of moved over at the same time. Um, Samhain, like we kind of yeah. learned from the Scottish and um, Celtic religions, they had their own pagan festivals. And in order to confront them, they had All Hallows Eve. Yeah. They moved All Saints Day over to All Hallows Eve. So, so it's all kind of bunched in together. So. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of all pagan. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Embrace it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so anyway. yeah, so I thought that was super interesting. So I believe um, Wednesday is Halloween, which Correct. is again not the same day as Dia de los Muertos, which is on Friday. And then they have the, I guess Dia de los Muertos is Friday, and then Thursday is Dia de los Angelitos, is it? Right, for the children. For the babies, for, for the children, yeah, that have passed. So um, anyways, it's a it's a celebration of life. So they um, have their um, offerings to the people of the dead. They're supposed to be able to come back from the spirit world to be able to see their family and enjoy um, some of the things that they did when they were alive. A lot of them have to do with food or any alcohol. They have, I believe it's marigolds, right? Right. That they actually sprinkle so that way it shows their family the way. And I'm totally getting the majority of my info from Coco the movie, so. (laughs) I was going to say, and let's lead into, segue into your favorite movie. (laughs) I swear I'm a big child sometimes. (laughs) Well, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. And then um, kind of a little bit more off topic, since me and Talia, did I mention this? I mentioned this already. Oh, yeah. You okay. did. So, yeah. You did. Because I just edited today. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to listen to that whole vampire story all over again. Oh, no. I was like, anyways, what is your story about? Okay, since we are dia- doing Dia de los Muertos, um, we, I went looking around for some kind of cemetery-ish stuff. Crimes, true crimes, and I didn't find a whole lot, but when I did find one, it was not great. So, all right. First of all, I get to thank Unsolved Mysteries, Unsolved.com, and of course, the almighty Wikipedia. Because, damn, I could not do it without For a minute there, I thought you were, like, (laughs) saying a prayer right now. Thank you to the almighty. Sana, sana. (laughs) I was like, okay, should I bow my head? (laughs) I was not prepared. All right. (laughs) 
Okay, we started drinking a little early. Yeah, so. we did. I needed it. Same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am kind of hungover from hungover. Okay, so first of all, I do oh, not recuperate the same. Girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the biz. So... My um, story is going to be on um, the murder of Jessica Lynn Keene. Oh, okay. Wow. So um, Jessica Lynn Keene, she's a 15-year-old from Columbus, Ohio. Um, she was an honor student and a cheerleader. Um, and just like regular teen, teenage angst and everything else, she started dating an 18-year-old um, high school student, um, Sean Thompson. So you know how... We all get when we're young. We're all young at one point in time. We get distracted. Um, her grades start falling. Um, she ends up quitting cheerleading. So her mom obviously gets upset because she needs her to have her grades up. She wants to get have her. She wants to make sure she gets into college, gets a scholarship. So she tells her, you know what? You can't see him until your grades come up. You just you just can't see him. So what Jessica does instead is she starts skipping school to be with him. Oh, Eventually, no. the mom finds out. Okay. Um, We're always going to find out. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, my mom found out we too. We have so. <laughs> the best detective skills of life. I think we're just dumb teenagers sometimes. Well, yeah, and we've been there, done that. <laughs> no shit. So her and her mom start arguing. The arguments just start to escalate more and more. And so Jessica, no matter how much they argue, she just becomes more focused with her new boyfriend. And she starts making statements like, I don't want to live with you anymore. And, you know, just, again, regular teenage angst arguments that girls and moms or girls and parents or kids and parents just kind of go back and forth with. So um, at some point in time, they both talked and decided that they needed a cooling off period. So um, it was a mutual decision between her and her mom that she would spend two weeks at a local live-in counseling center for teenagers. Oh, wow. That escalated quickly. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, I think the mom was to the point where she just didn't even know what to do anymore. She felt like her daughter was making... um, bad decisions and the daughter wanted what she wanted so um they you know know, rather than to continue to escalate with their arguments they just decided this this would be an okay and I think the mom had gone there before if I remember correctly she um she she went into the group home for troubled teens and it was called the Huckleberry House on March 4th 1991 on March 15th uh, the day before she was supposed to move back home she actually spoke to her boyfriend um Sean they ended up getting into a big old argument um, which at one point in time they actually broke up. So she was super upset. After the, uh, she was super upset. She actually told one of her friends that she was going to go to the mall and she was going to take the bus um, over there. Okay, so she was see, so she was actually seen at the bus stop near that counseling center around six o'clock that evening. Forty-two hours later, um, her body's found. She's found at the back of the Foster Chapel Cemetery, twenty miles away from the bus God. stop. Police believe that she was forced into the car by one or two men, raped, and then held for at least six hours. Sometime in the middle of the night on March 16th, she escaped from her attackers and then ran towards the cemetery. So she just ran. Um, Her clothes had already been torn off during the attack, so with her attacker in pursuit, she hid behind, like, tombstones. Um, She even lost one of her socks while she was running. Um, She actually was, they have um, a knee print where she was kneeling behind some of these tombstones, hiding from the the people that were pursuing her. 
a so person. Did they take her to a graveyard or she was close by? I think she must have been close by because she escaped her attackers and she just went running. And I think that was probably the closest thing to her. Oh she felt God. like she could probably hide. What I'm thinking, and I didn't do a lot more research, is it probably wasn't a lot around for her to run in there. So again, while running, it's nighttime. So she's running through this pitch black cemetery. Oh God. Um, she saw a light. She saw a light in, in a farmhouse from a distance and just absolute desperation to reach there. Um, she just, she runs, she makes a run for it. She's hiding behind tombstones, um, sees it, just tries to make her way over there. So as she's running in the complete darkness, she doesn't realize that there's a fence ahead of her. So she slams into the, oh, into God. the fence post. She knocks herself down, which then allows her assailants to actually catch up with her. Right, because she's stunned. Yeah. At that time, she was struck in the face with a blunt object and left, pretty much left there to die. Police investigators were able to pinpoint um, Jessica's final moments based on clues in and around the, the crime scene. So like I mentioned, one of her socks had fallen off while she was running. It actually matched the one that ended up her stain on her person their knee print there was mud on the fence for when she hit it so hard that it actually went from her transferred from her body right. to the actual fence so sheriffs in madison county uh, turned their attention immediately to jessica's boyfriend um, but sean Tom- thompson wasn't in columbus he had actually went with his a bunch of friends to florida they did a DNA test and evidence pr- pretty much cleared him of the case. Um, and at that point, no other suspects were identified. So the case went completely cold for a while. They actually believed that Jessica's killer was someone she was acquainted with um, as she was comfortable to get into their car. But they don't know if she was dragged or if she actually got into the car of her own volition. Unfortunately, as even like I mentioned earlier, the case went cold. Her um, mom was just haunted by all the evidence and just thinking of what her poor daughter went through. Can't even imagine through. what her mom was going through. So um, the mom had mentioned um, what they did to her, the fear that Jessica felt. She would do anything to get away. I can feel her heartbeat running through the cemetery. I can feel the deep breathing as she probably was doing as she knelt behind the tombstone. I can hear her praying. And I realized that's the worst thing that I believe anybody could go through. So the case actually remained cold for almost two full decades. So seven years to the day that Jessica was murdered, authorities actually matched DNA from her case to a convict felon named Martin Lee Smith Jr. They actually um, stuck it in CODIS and he actually had been picked up for another crime. But once they stuck his DNA in there, it lit up that. This was his DNA. Right. So in February 2009, Martin Lee Smith Jr. and Madison County prosecutors reached a deal that would spare him the death penalty in exchange for his guilty plea. He pleaded guilty to the charge of aggravated murder with specifications of rape and kidnapping. So at some point, is he like a serial rapist because his DNA is in the system? Well, I think it put it, I think at some point in time, um, as DNA became prevalent, I think everybody who's arrested now has to do fingerprints. Um, and I could be totally wrong on that, but if they're arrested, maybe jailed, they, there's like DNA is taken almost immediately. Okay. So it's in the system. Okay. So that was my biggest, no, I'll get onto that in a second, but, um, so he's actually sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 30 years. Good. So that's the biggest thing when um, 
we're talking about the um, rape cases that have not been logged into CODIS is that they're noting that when they're actually putting these things in, they're finding a bunch of serial rapists, but it's taking them so long and the cost is so much that that they're not able to do it for sometimes right. years later. There's got to be an easier process. I, I wish they'd come up with it because, again, they continue to let some of these rapists continue raping because they just they're not, they're not catching be- them on time. Right. So it's just kind of one of those things. But I thought that was just kind of interesting simply because it was a cold case for so long and one investigator just would not stop. So it's like, what, 20 years later? 17, 17 to the day. Years. Wow. That yeah. So that was poor the girl, death of but poor the poor mom, because she's the one that has to, you know, live with that and have that those thoughts going through her head. Oh, definitely. You can't imagine what your dog. I mean, that is heartbreaking. I mean, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, it actually. Wow. I keep saying actually a lot, so I apologize. But um, I read another story where it talked about another young girl being in that same house. Um, and after finding out that Jessica Keen had passed, had been murdered, she actually called her own mom and made arrangements to come home. So it's just one of those things where they try to do the right thing. Mom thought she was doing the right thing. They just need a cooling off period to preserve their relationship. And this just ended up happening. This is a fluke. Yeah. So okay. anyways, that's my story. The mosquito in here. I don't know if you can see it. It's because I have that plant over there, I think. Oh, I caught it and let it go. Oh, wow. I was like, cried a kid for a second there. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. So that was... Okay, there's not going to ever be a true crime story that you do that it's not going to be depressing. No, but it's just difficult. That's just the nature of the beast. There's certain details in regards to some of the stories that you're just like... You could almost feel... or It's not so much myself. I could... I just don't ever... With us having daughters, I just don't ever want our kids to go through that. I mean, who does? Right. But it gives you such a visual that you could almost imagine what she's going through. I don't know. There's like, when I'm watching true crime stories on, there's some sort of detachment that I have that, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But when you're telling a story and we're sitting here and we're talking about it, I think we relate in a different way. Right. Because we like automatically think of our daughters. It's harder to be detached from the story and be clinical about it. Yeah, I hear you. And then we're just talking. And plus, we're just sitting here kind of talking back and forth. Although we are telling a story, we are talking to each other and telling a new true crime as if we're talking as a conversation right wise so yeah all right so i try to stick with the theme of dia de los muertos and i also have a cemetery story all right it's about the santa paula cemetery also known as the panteon de belen Ooh. i know we've done plenty of ghost stories that are like in houses or museums or bed and breakfasts okay In some regards, you expect ghosts to be in those places at some point, like especially if it's an old house. But the one place you absolutely expect to see a ghost is in a cemetery. Definitely. (laughs) So there's a cemetery in Guadalajara, a city in the state of Jalisco, Mexico, that is considered to be one of Mexico's most haunted cemeteries. For some background history on the cemetery, um, it's just as famous for its architecture as it is for its ghosts. It was built in 1848 and designed by one of uh, Mexico's most famous architects, Manuel Gomez Ibarra, who 30 years earlier redesigned the spires of the Guadalajara 
um, cathedral, which had been destroyed in an earthquake. Okay. Um, the cemetery design is mostly neoclassical with a great influence from great from French architecture. Ooh, that must be. Be- I mean, it's a cemetery, but it must be beautiful if it's historic in that sense. Yeah, it's it's definitely has some uh, a- interesting aspects to it. Like I was looking at a lot of pictures, and I actually watched a few um, YouTube videos as I do, <laughs> <laughs> as that was the style of the mid nineteenth century century Mexico. The Panteon de Belen was built on a back plot of the then civil hospital to bury people who did not have the means to pay for a decent burial. It was a common grave until eighteen forty eight. Um the Panteon de Belen was divided into two areas, the common area and the section reserved for the wealthy, of course. Oh, of course. For fifty years prominent people of Guadalajara were buried here until it closed in eighteen ninety six. Was it just completely full? I think so. And I think um, because it started to like have a bunch of issues that they just weren't ready to deal with. Okay. Um, in the center of the cemetery is a small chapel that is topped with a high pointy roof that shows Egyptian influence. This is where the most wealthy citizens were to be housed. But they got their own illustrious mausoleum closer to the cathedral. Oh, of course. This main mausoleum housed 900 niches. And is the largest structure in the cemetery. Wow. Um, it's decorated with large pink columns made of Cantera stone. And in the main part of the cemetery, there's more eclectic fill with tombstones, with tombstones <laughs> statues, <laughs> monuments, and trees scattered about. Almost kind of willy-nilly, like okay. there wasn't a plan. There may have been a plan, but it's just they the just way it looks right it. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there are many ghosts that are said to still haunt the grounds, and we will go through them one by, by one. one. And it's funny because I did see a lot of pictures when I was looking for some sort of cemetery, true crime. I found a few of them, but just looking at some of these, um, some of the Mexican cemeteries, I feel like they just look beautiful. A lot of them have some color. They're they're not flat like we have them now, where they're just a flat um, headstone kind of, compared a lot of them to are above ground. Yeah, and because it's older. Yeah, I mean the the fact is that Mexico's older than the United States. Of course, you can go back east and see a lot of. Of course, New Orleans has a beautiful cemetery, and it's comparable to a lot of the Mexican cemeteries, but Girl, it just has um, that old old feel to, feel it, to it and yeah. it does it is above ground the because further of the west sea level. you get you're not gonna Find you're gonna that. see more just like tombstones in the ground and i mean we do have some interesting cemeteries on this side of the united states but i think the best cemeteries are back east <laughs> i agree we actually when i was again when i was looking at that i actually saw the i think it's a greenwood cemetery and i was gonna do a true crime in that um, our greenwood cemetery no 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 in new york oh okay beautiful and I never even knew it was there believe it or not and I've gone to New York several times and um we actually came actually I'm sorry we come, usually come in through Philly and then go to New York but this time we came into New York and then ended up in Philly because we have some friends out there and we passed by the most beautiful cemetery I'd ever seen and never even realized was in actually in Brooklyn so right. gorgeous but that's what I was yeah yeah, I think cemeteries are interesting only because like sometimes we have our Greenwood Cemetery right. and we have a, several other cemeteries here, but I just like reading the headstones sometimes. They're yeah. interesting. Well, we have a historic one our, by our house too. By your house? Uh-huh. Oh, really? Which one is that? Oh, God, I don't even know what it's called, but it's right there off of... Is it um, Avondale or... No, is it Avondale? It might be Avondale. 
um, it's right there off of Dysart and Indian School. Really? And what they did is they actually built a lot of new homes around it, and then they just surrounded this historic, and it's very, very small, um, historic cemetery. They just blocked it off and put a fence on it. So we used to take the bus downtown, okay. even though um, we lived on 19th Avenue in Indian School. But my friend and I, we used to take the bus downtown to the bus station, you know, to meet guys. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this was in high school. So like the buses would just disperse from there and then we'd find our way back home. Sorry, mom, if you ever listen to this. Yeah, that's what we did. I just remember like passing by. There's some cemeteries downtown that are pretty interesting, but they yeah. just remind me of the the Wild West cemeteries. That's like exactly that. what this one's like, too. Yeah. So just kind of, I mean, they're not real elaborate. They have no sort of influence. It's just like John Wood t- died here in, you know, yeah. 1814. So that happened. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to our ghosts. Okay. At the Pantheon de Belen. And my middle name is Belen. Is it really? Yeah. So it literally translates as Bethlehem. Really? So that makes it interesting. Pantheon de Bethlehem. Definitely. So anyways, our first ghost is Nachito. He was a small child, about the age of 10, and some of the stories that I read had him at two. Okay. So that's kind of like a wide gap there. Um, Ignacio Torres Altimirano, but his parents called him Nachito. He was deathly afraid of the dark and his parents would leave two torches burning in his room every night. I mean, his fear of the dark was like almost pathological. On the night of May 24th, 1882, a big storm hit Guadalajara. The parents said goodnight to their son, leaving the torches burning as usual. And during the night, as the storm raged outside, the torches were extinguished. It is said that he cried for his parents in terror, but they couldn't hear him due to the storm. In the morning, when his mother entered the room, she could immediately tell that something was wrong. Poor baby. She found little Nachito's lifeless body still in his bed. It was later determined that he died of a heart attack during the night because of his pathological fear of the dark. Oh, poor baby. Of course, the superstitious rumors rumor mill started around town and people theorize that his little heart exploded in his chest or that he had been cursed and another one another rumor was that it had been the work of demons um he was the the mexican heritage a very superstitious exactly so i can only imagine in like a hundred and something years ago he was interred at the panteon de belen however the next morning his coffin was found disinterred and lying above ground and his body had not been disturbed, which they thought like it was yeah. grave robbers or something. But it, he he was there. He was there. Aww. Yeah. Everyone was alarmed at this and the groundskeeper immediately reburied him. The same occurrence was repeated for nine consecutive nights. Holy smokes. Until his parents finally concluded that because Nachito had been so afraid of the dark Aww. in life, it was still so in death. And he didn't want to be kept underground away from the light. They created a stone coffin to stand on four short pillars above the ground so that his coffin would always see the sunlight. Oh, that's so sad. So people have either seen or heard a young boy matching Nachito's description. Many tourists, um, they still leave toys 
for the young child and his and they think that this will can contain his mischief it's also said that if you remove one of those toys nachito will follow you until you return it oh that's no that's not good yeah <laughs> so many toys have been left and many have been given to charity oh yeah why were they given his- i think he's okay with that all but right if you just take them without asking for permission yeah then that's a big no-no then he's following your ass home and he's like <laughs> In 2015, an investigative ghost hunting team went to the Santa Paula Cemetery armed with cameras. And of course, you know, every um, ghost hunter's toolkit is an EVP recorder. Later, the recording that they got were dissected and analyzed. And the researchers discovered that what appeared to be the voice of a little boy. And after all the ambient noises noises were um, removed, they got a little voice saying, Oye, encontraste mi tumba. Me das un chocolatito? Oh, I'm totally freaked out and sad at the same time. I didn't know that was even possible. In English, this translates to, hey, you found my grave. Now give me a little piece of chocolate. (laughs) Now. I said right now. (laughs) Okay, so that was Nachito. There's also another famous ghost that inhabits the cemetery, and that's the ghost of the Count of Baldon. Okay. The Count of Baldon uh, as... Uh, 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 oh, wait. Uh, we're not drinking the vampire wine today? No. This Damn time it. it's the witching hour. All right. So another attraction of the cemetery is the tree of the vampire that grew right in the tomb of Count Baldon. Okay. Um... This man was very unsociable, and because he only left his house at night, he was charged with several deaths. They say that several animal and human corpses were found, all bled completely of whatever Insanguated blood. just yeah. of all their blood? Yep. Yeah. And then the settlers began to doubt that the Count, who was always silent, pale, and elegant, you know, like vampires are, that he may be guilty of some of these things. It all began when animals in Guadalajara were found dead all across the city, devoid of blood, and then a body of a woman was found in an alley, and upon examination of her body, they found that her body had been drained of blood, and she had savage wounds on her neck. A few days later, a body had been dug up in the cemetery, a fresh corpse, just recently buried and wounds to the neck. In the weeks that followed, there would be several children and women murdered in such much the same fashion. Wow. As the word got out, the people of Guadalajara were terrified and believed that they had a vampire among them. They began to keep a close watch on the cemetery because they believed that this was his hunting ground. Okay. And then one morning, they noticed someone prowling the cemetery, probably looking for fresh graves. A group of men ambushed him, and it is said that he snarled at them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Not quite a snarl. <laughs> sure, it is. Snort, snarl. It's fine. It's fine, fine, fine. The group of men ambushed him, and it is said that he snarled at them. So at this point, they were convinced that he was a vampire. Okay. And they, you know, because vampires. So it was snarl, that guy that they caught. The snarly vampire. Um, so it was, but it was the count? Yeah. Oh. So they knock him down. And they drive a stake through his heart, you know, because that's what you do to vampires. Wanting to make sure he didn't come back from that, they buried him deep in the ground and covered his grave with a heavy concrete plate. Okay, then. A few months later, someone noticed that the stake broke through the concrete, becoming a large tree. Really? Yeah. 
Legend has it if you cut a limb or slit the trunk, blood will ooze out from the tree. There is also a legend that when the tree destroys the tomb completely, the vampire will be free to do his bidding. Holy smokes, that is a great story. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. Um, I saw pictures of the tree. Now, some of the sites said that the tree's been um, chopped down and there's just nothing but a stump there. Okay. So I guess it can't, like, grow anymore. That's kind of sad, though. I mean, I understand that they were superstitious, thinking that, hey, this guy can come out at any time. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to see the tree that's right. literally... Well, I'm going to put some pictures up, okay. definitely, of the tree. When did it, they chop down the tree? It's a huge oak tree. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Like, there's not really... Like, some of the sites are in Spanish, too, so... You have to Google was, Translate yeah, it? Yeah, I was... Yeah. I was doing the best I could. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another spirit, um, Victoriana Hurtado. This is her story. A tall gravestone has a name of a woman, Victoriana Hurtado, who died in on the 26th of August in 1895. And just above it, the stone relief of her clenched fist seems to break through the headstone. Okay. Apparently, Victoriana had suffered with catalepsy since she was a young girl. A few stories say that she was buried alive by her treacherous husband, and others say it was her greedy children. Oh. Who took advantage of her illness, which at times put her in a state of stiffness with a very low pulse. Her tomb had been discovered by a watchman um, at the cemetery who heard a blood-curdling cry from her tomb on the day of her burial. When he reached her grave, he discovered her bloody hand trying to break free from the tomb. Later, it was discovered that she had died of a heart attack and that her hand was petrified. Really? Yeah. Luckily, she had left all her money to charity and her children received none of it. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, how much do you got to hate your kids in order to be like, yeah, I'm not leaving shit to you. Sorry. Well, I mean, you have to know that they're pieces of shit at some point, right? Right. I don't know, girl. That's a mama's love. So that they really have to be some 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 real big piles. Right. Or maybe she's just one of those moms that's like you have to earn it on your own. Right? Make it, make it. Wow, make it, make it. <laughs> <laughs> make it or break it. There you go. Okay. So there's still another story. Ooh. There's I didn't even get them all. Oh, I bet it's a whole cemetery full. Yeah. There's also a legend of a pirate and his treasure. Oh, okay. So apparently as a young man, he had once sailed the Pacific during his youth and attacked many ships laden with the riches of the Orient. As a middle-aged man, the pirate decided to settle and make a life for himself in Guadalajara. Okay. He had only one son, but the son did not know of his father's former life as a buccaneer on the high seas. The man had stashed somewhere in the Guadalajara area a massive treasure comprised mostly of gold and precious stones. A few months after hiding his pirate treasure, the man died and was buried in the Santa Paula Cemetery. According to the legend, if a devout person visits the pirate's grave at midnight and prays the rosary for the man's tormented soul, the ghost of the pirate will reveal the exact location of the treasure. And as people have been trying for years, obviously there hasn't been somebody that's been devout enough to find the You're treasure. You're like, somebody needs a map. <laughs> Stat. <laughs> There's also another version of this story okay. that I found that he was actually a wealthy landowner who buried his treasure in several tombs and faked his own death to escape the revolution. He was found by someone who recognized him and the location was tortured out of him. Upon arriving at the graveyard, though, they found that many of the graves matched the description that was given to them. <laughs> it is told that in order to find the treasure, one must enter the graveyard at 8 p.m. 
which is when the temples announce the time of all souls and the spirits leave their graves and pray three Our Fathers and three Ave Marias and must correctly answer a question asked by the spirits. And again, since the treasure has never been found, obviously they haven't been pious enough for that one either. <laughs> and it's funny because as you're telling me this story, the only thing I could think of is my novela from way back when, Corazón Salvaje, when the guy was kind of a pirate and... You know, you know, the whole um, outline of that, you know, she's rich, he's poor, he, he be, comes back with money, she, <laughs> he wins her heart, but, you know, he slept with the sister first and, you know, the struggle, but that's, I don't know why it just reminds you of that. Yeah, you know the struggle, you know what happens when pirates fall in love with rich broads. <laughs> Best story of life. I seriously have it on DVD on like little, all 118 episodes. And every once in a while, I'll get a hair up my ass. Girl, it's a Spanish novela. Girl, novellas just go on and on and oh, on and on. Girl, but damn, they're the best of life. <laughs> they redid it and it felt like it was a little bit dramatic for me. So I like the old school one, especially because the main actor actually died. Oh, so he had a heart attack, no, a little, um, an embolism when he was um, in L.A. He was actually going to make his crossover to the American films. Oh, really? Yeah. What was his name? Do you remember? I cannot remember it for the life of me right now, but I loved him. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I loved him. Juan del Diablo. Juan del Diablo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I'll show you a picture later. <laughs> <laughs> so would come into the room, he's like, you're watching that story again? I'm like, it's just so good. <laughs> You know how I feel about watching things over and over. <laughs> okay, there's just so little time. Girl, I feel you. I have thing, like no time now. Things. I can't, no. I, but I fell asleep to a bunch of shit, so I must have seen Friends in any given way about 100 times. Guardians of the Galaxy, I've watched that partially right. at least 25 times. I can do that. Partially? Yeah, because I fall asleep. Yeah, because I have to have noise behind me because my brain will just continue to go. As you know, I don't sleep as it is. So one of my things to fall asleep, if if you put me, turn off a light and say it's time to Mimi's, it's not happening. So I need something that I'm entertained enough without being loud. You should read the Bible. Drink? I do do that. (laughs) I'm not reading the Bible. Okay, did anybody else hear that? I said read the Bible and she said drink. I do do that. (laughs) I thought you were like, cheers. No, no. Read the Bible. It will put you to sleep. I have a stack of four books that I still need to read, and I haven't, I like partially have them all read. Um, But yeah, girl, by the time I get onto it, it's like just. If I try to read before I go to bed, like sometimes I'll read with the book above me, and like the book will just lay (laughs) down on my face. Kind of like my cell phone does sometimes. But I'm reading like I'm reading something on my cell phone. I'm falling asleep, and I'll and it'll like slap me in the face really hard because I will fall asleep halfway reading through it. Girl, just don't get me started. All right, so okay, sorry. Good. There's never a good story about Mexico without a Pancho Villa twist. Up here we go. On the morning of January 30th, 1915, the city was attacked by the troops of Pancho Villa. They entered, shooting at anyone and anything, even public buildings. After the battle, two priests went out to save the souls of all who had been gravely injured. Within a short while, they had been captured by a bunch of Yaqui Indians and taken to the back of the graveyard to be shot. One of the two priests, Father Galvan, stood in front of them and pointed to his chest and yelled out. And as I'm reading this, I can see my dad beating his chest (laughs) vigorously. Right here. (laughs) I'm not afraid of you. 
Father Galvan stood in front of them, pointing to his chest, and yelled out, Shoot me here! At the yell of fire, his body fell to the ground, and they also shot him in the head to ensure his death. Later at the corner of the hospital, late at night, people began seeing a ghost that called out prayers, and with the help of a small lamp, revealed the vict- victim's bloody chest. So, wow. Father Galvan is another one of the ghosts. And this one's not really a ghost story. Okay. I didn't find any ghost story on these ones, but it was an interesting story anyways. Um, there's also a tomb for Joseph Johnston and Jean Young. Okay. Um, they're a Scottish couple who provided help to Guadalajara's poor in the late 1800s. Um, I think the husband was a doctor. Okay. And today their headstone has become an altar as visitors leave items such as flowers, hypodermic needles, Ritalin, rosaries, inhalers. Ritalin? Yeah. Inhalers? I I think it's just like all as a token, like when they're asking a prayer for whoever needs the prayer. Other offerings with the hope that their prayers will be heard and answered. That's interesting. Interesting. I find it very interesting when I was going through some of the uh, Mexican, because I did go through, I try to do Mexican based, but I just couldn't find something that I was excited enough to actually do. Well, not even that I was excited to do, I'm never excited to do um, murder story. Yeah. But I guess I just didn't find one that I wanted to do in regards to that. But there was a lot of just different um, history in regards to um, old Mexico. And I was surprised, and I don't know why, that there were so many different people coming from, you know, across the ocean to help Mexico or to aid them in some sort of way. Well, a lot of or them, just I mean, influences. they were migrants just the same as, like, when yeah. they were coming to the ports of New York, too. Like, yeah. they were a lot of Irish, you know, they were escaping the potato famine. Um, Scottish, you know, they, they were escaping. I even hear that um, there were Asian, that they were actually had some roots there. Um, and again, I think that's the reason why when we, we have so many different variations of, oh, Alma, I think there's a ghost in your house. Yeah. Sorry, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I think it's a reason why there's such a variation in regards to um, a lot of Hispanic people don't always look the same. Right. So... I mean, for so many different reasons, like, because we're kind of, like, strewn about, like, the Philippines and Cuba and Puerto Rico and so many different places. Brazil. Yeah. All those South American places. Yeah. Um, If you're particularly lucky and happen to be in Guadalajara on the Day of the Dead, November 2nd, Belen is open later past sunset for late night drama, puppet shows, retelling of some of the stories. And since the museum is usually closed at three in the afternoon, um, well before sunset, the darkness may offer another view of the cemetery. Perhaps you will catch a glimpse of these long dead legends. And then the night tour hours are as follows in case you ever find yourself in Guadalajara, um, 7 p.m., um, 8.30 p.m., 10 p.m., and midnight. Um, the tours last about 30 minutes, and the cost of the tickets is about 33 pesos, approximately three bucks. Okay. There is a very small extra charge to take photos. That is the story of the Santa Paula Cemetery or the Panteón de Belén. I think it's a great story, Alma. Sorry. So I was actually trying to remember um, while you were saying that. We had actually gone to the art museum on the week that I was off. Oh, yeah. And I was trying to tell you that while I was mentioning it to you on IM that we actually um, saw saw the Teotihuacan exhibit. 
and that but within there and I was trying to find the name um and I was hoping to do it before you finished your story but um I guess there's the, like the calabaceras uh-huh. um which is the skulls the, the candy skulls that kind of represent a lot of Mexican art were actually initially done um by this one artist and as you know so it, it, it find it interesting because they actually have that at the museum as well and he actually um drew the famous la I think it's called la Catrina Calavera so she's the one with the big hat kind of like what they portray in La Coco like the grandmother had like the the puffy dress and so on and so forth right and so he had actually so you see lithograms of these things at the art museum right now um, and I'm not sure if it's because of the day of the dead but um holiday or not but they do have that out there and it, it's actually it's kind of neat so if you get a chance and you're in phoenix they they have that it's a very small hallway almost but they have tons of lithographs and where um there's two separate artists that were drawing that way but one was actually more popular than the other but that's actually where we get those sugar skulls from oh really yeah and like our our little uh yeah our logo exactly is the sugar stickle and I think he actually um, took inspiration from Diego. What's that artist? Diego, Diego Rivera. You got it. And um, I guess he had painted one of the calav- calaveras like that as well. And um, which I think was a, during an earthquake. I think um, an earthquake. He had painted it, I think, on a wall or, or a mural of some sorts. And I think, if I remember correctly, there was an earthquake. So they actually took that part and moved it into an actual museum so that way they wouldn't be destroyed. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. So Interesting. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like we were talking about before, like Halloween, All Saints Day, uh, All Hallows Eve, Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, Dia de Muertos. Right. Like, the belief is that there's that thin veil between our world and the world of the dead right so i well, mean take it as you will i think it's interesting oh i definitely think it's interesting i think um different cultures same day of sorts so. right not the exact same, same day but you know just variations of the same holiday process yeah no that's not it <laughs> sorry i'm at a loss for words today it's monday so caffeine apparently is not helping me out today i'm like trying to think of the word too so <laughs> It's, it's terrible. <laughs> Anything else? No, I think that's pretty much it. Um, we have wine. We talked about our weekend. Any uh, goals for this week at all? Uh, other than that, Isaiah's or Mario's birthday is going to be on Friday, which is Dia de Muertos. Right. And I asked him, because this is our tradition. I'm like, what do you want me to make you for dinner? Aww. And he's like, Mom, <laughs> I just want homemade beans. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! And I usually make them with salt pork, and right. it's super simple. I just make them in the crock pot. But the funny thing is that you know I grew up with beans and rice and tortillas every day, so it was just like that's what we ate. Right. And it wasn't anything special to me. Did I just say a special? A special. It wasn't anything <laughs> special to me. <laughs> But my kids, like, it's for them, it's a delicacy to eat beans with salt pork in them. Yeah. It's funny. I totally get that, girl, because I was the same way. Um, I grew up with the beans and rice because that's easy. It's affordable. You could make it as tasty. And every mom and every grandmother make the best beans or the best Spanish rice. Right. Um, according to everybody. Right. <laughs> my grandma makes the best Spanish rice. My grandma made the best beans and homemade tortillas. Um, although my mom, oh, she she kills. She won't make them anymore because she's like, it's too damn hot. But right. Yeah. 
I have some uh, red chili in there. Chili corrodado. Yum. Yum, yum. I'm thinking of making that Friday. And then this weekend we'll have our meat pies. Meat pies. All right. Well, yeah. Well, definitely. That'll be exciting. Take some pictures. We'll post it. Yeah. We'll figure that out. Yay. We get to watch Jamie and Claire. I know. I still got to catch up on that. The Voyage? No. I don't even know what book I'm in. I want to say it's a Voyage. The Voyager. No, The Drums of Autumn was a turquoise book. This is a maroon one. The Fiery Cross. Is that before or after? It's the red book. There's a maroon one, though. It's that one. There's that one? Okay. So, red maroon. Yeah, it's the one where they're still at that festival. And, yeah. And, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Where I Roger have... kind of finally finds his way into the family. Barely. I'm still not even at that part. It's it's kind of a hard read, The um, reading through all that whole festival part of it for some reason. It's, I think it's the because gathering. I've been so dis- Yeah. I've been so like outside of that world for you so long. You can tell long. I'm just like you're a like total reveling fan. and like yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. No, it's not terrible it's at a all. Sickness. They're great books. Like I mean, they're big, thick books. So I mean, I pretty much went through them pretty quickly. But it's been a couple of years, to be honest with you, right. since I stopped reading. I just haven't had time. So you're like really forward. novellas, but no. you haven't had time in three years. <laughs> Girl, believe me, I'm like, I'm not reading anything else till I finish this, but wow. Yeah. No, they're good books. They're good books. And I'm looking forward to this weekend. Definitely. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, I think that's it, my dear. I think that's all we got. We have our wine. We had our stories. Um, anybody out there want to give us a story for us to read out loud? Yes, um, send us your stories. Ghost stories. We love to hear True them. crime stories that have happened in your area. You know, we'll, we'll read them online if you want us to. Or Definitely. we'll read them. Out loud. Out loud. On the podcast <laughs> if you want us to. Because, uh, I mean, I have a bunch of, um, actually, I actually... Wow, now they're kind of closing. It's like I actually went through my old journal that I hadn't done in forever. And I was reading it, and I uh, was very surprised in some of the stories. I'm like, holy shit, I totally forgot about it. But I'm kind of glad that I kind of went over it again just a little bit, simply so that way um, it just kind of jogs your memory. But Personal stories? I have a lot of true crime shit that happens to me sometimes. <laughs> to happen? What? <laughs> well, not right. to me, around me. Okay, so some of this is just going to be Patreon exclusive. We've kind of talked about that. Yeah. Paranormal, true crime, our own personal stuff, our own personal shit. Definitely. um, Is going to be Patreon exclusive. And we're hoping uh, maybe to do maybe a Facebook Live sometime here in the near future if any of you are interested. And I think we're going to get some um, gear, so we'll go ahead and put that up at some point in time. Uh, We're going to have a little contest. We're having having shirts and wine glasses made Mm -hmm. with our Tipsy Tales logo logo on it. We're going to have a contest for that. Yeah, definitely. So get your stories ready. We're waiting for them. Send all your stories to tipsy underscore tales at yahoo.com we'd love to hear them exactly we would (laughs) absolutely absolutely so all right you guys have a good night you have a great week i'm yvette i'm mama and this is tipsy tales good Good night. night hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of tipsy tales music by jesse Pesqueda, artwork by sergio hernandez and if you're listening on itunes please don't forget to rate and review thanks